When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Gabbage out of here! Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters, podcast number 37, where I am joined, as always, with Christian Wolfgang Graffin. Hey, how's it going, guys? With me again is Gregor Yoroshadis. What's up, D-Dot? From a sabbatical last week, um, and joining us again, Javon Begart. Javon, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. Could have been better, but I'm here. So, so unfortunately, no basketball to be discussed this week. Toronto Raptors obviously on a break with the All-Star break. Um... I guess we'll do a little bit of a recap of the All-Star game. Obviously, the East won under the back of LeBron James. Spencer Dinwiddie is your skills competition winner. Three-point went to Devin Booker, Mr. 28, and the slant dunk competition winner this year, Mr. Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from this week was the interesting rendition of the national anthem by Fergie. It was like this very weird swing, jazzy iteration of the, uh, of the national anthem. And I'll play a little clip. Of a oh, please don't play it. Why? No, 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 no. I'm not playing a clip of Fergie. I'm playing a clip of a comedian Chris D'Elia's reaction to Fergie's oh, thank God. interesting rendition of the anthem. All right. Hey, man, stop bashing Fergie, okay? You asked Fergie to do the national anthem at the NBA ba- uh, basketball, at the NBA fucking national anthem? Guess what? Guess what? You got Fergie, man. You got Fergie. That's what you got. She fucking killed that shit. I don't give a shit what you say. She did it in her Fergie way. Okay? You didn't ask Andrea Bocelli to sing that shit. You didn't ask these motherfuckers to do it. You made Fergie and then asked her to sing the national anthem and then didn't like what she did. Fuck that. You made your bed lay in it. You clap, motherfucker, like Ray Charles did it. You clap, motherfucker, behind your keyboard. Oh, she fucking took a chance. She sings Let's Get Retarded, motherfucker. So uh, a pretty interesting <laughs> uh, a recap of uh, Fergie's performance um, dead on, dead Sunday. on. Um, Greg, I know I have a few little, uh, little, little takes. We'll get to your gripe a little bit later. What is your takeaway from All-Star Weekend? Oh, it was just a celebrity love fest. I was particularly frustrated when they brought out Khaled, DJ Khaled, in like a, a jumpsuit, like he's some kind of mafia hitman, <laughs> to do the dunk, like to be a dunk judger, right? And they only have two actual people there that have any credibility on it, right? Like, what the fuck does Mark Wahlberg know? He's five foot four, right? What does he know about dunks? He's, he's from Boston. In a basketball movie. Yeah. He's from Boston. They know everything. Boston? Boston? Boston. You didn't like the game? The game I thought this year was actually competitive. It was like they as said, competitive as you can make the game. Yeah, there was a foul in the first two minutes of the game. Was that due to the format change? You think? Because I agree that it was more competitive, but I, feel I don't like think it was so. just because the players, people have been getting on them about not playing defense, and they just kind of played some defense. I don't think the format change did it. I, I actually found that annoying. I couldn't tell who was on what team. Yeah, I think it helped. I think it did. It was a factor in, in the whole thing because honestly. It, it got sort of, well, like look at Golden State, for instance. You get Draymond and Curry and Clay versus Durant, right? Like it forces those sort of rivalries. It makes the game a little bit more interesting. Uh, you see Ross and Durant on the same team. I just those like, it was narratives better. It was, it was better. Me, like, oh my God, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant are having a conversation right now? Okay. It's the talk of the, I mean. <laughs> I think it's the novelty of the whole uh, event. I think the fact that it's always been East-West for the past however many All-Star games there's been, it just got old and repetitive, and guys are just like, okay, let's just see if we can score more points than the last year, and let's see if we can do even more highlights than the last year, and then that just gets boring because you need competition for excitement, and there was absolutely none of that. 
at least with this year's new format, it added it brought back a little bit of competition. So and look, all all the gossip and all the NBA off season drama that went on that we loved yeah, all summer yeah. long. This was like the culmination of that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. got to see Kyrie and LeBron, LeBron start talking to each other again. Yep. You see what like again, it's all those things you see off the court. It all sort of comes to fruition in the All Star game. And I, again, the All Star game usually is just dunks and the score is 190 to 170. Even though it was a high score this year, at least it was competitive and players exactly, were exactly. Or so competi- liked, competitive when it needed to be. Exactly. I liked it more than usual, I yeah. guess, is the, be- is the best way I can put it. I still think if you just had East and West and they recommitted themselves to defense, it would have been just as good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I just don't... You know, I, think they should, I think they should, like, kidnap the respective players' dogs and hold them for ransom. And, like, if they don't show up <laughs> to the game, then they don't get their dog back. Like, an incentive to compete. No. Yeah. Do you think they care about their dogs that much? Or do it like baseball. <laughs> Hopefully. Have, have home court advantage. Or how about But this? they have to get rid of that, USA though. versus the world, like in the yeah, yeah. How about pride, oh, man? I like that one. fucking pride. Respect, like the East-West Coast pride thing. Look, like they tried to... Who's the, a tougher... Who's yeah. The coast, what right? happened to East Coast versus West some, Coast? Some, like, Biggie Pock beef. Come on. Yeah. Okay, I got a question for you guys, though. Are there more superstars in the West and the East right now? Like, I mean, the West it's has been... because East won. Define, define <laughs> they didn't, though. LeBron won. Team LeBron won, and he had West Coast as players. As LeBron's just, in the East. Like, I mean, all-stars. Not superstars, but like, let's say, like, who's yeah, the better Paul team? Yeah, Paul George and Jimmy Butler went to the West. Exactly. So you could argue they have more talent. And they have been dominating the all-star game for the past however many years. And I think it also ties into... I think we're going to talk about it later, but the uh, comments that Adam Silver made in terms of uh, the 1-16 to format for Ooh, the playoffs. Reseeding discussion. Yeah. We'll get to that yeah. a little bit later. But before we get to that, uh, Graffin, you got one more point. I was going to say the world format didn't work either with the Rising Stars Challenge. Because the world like, is the so much world, better than America. Yeah, the world <laughs> destroyed them. They were just shooting threes the whole time, and the game was ridiculous. By the end of it, it was literally a dunk contest. Like, yeah, that, but if you that's had what that the All-Star in, game used to be. If you had that in the actual game... Who knows? It, would, it might be the other way around. But the who Americans knows? doing that to the world. I just think that there's, again, like there, there's at least some rivalry that you could have there, right? And it would just be more interesting to me. It might be coincidence that this year is the year that they get competitive, which is the same year there is a draft format. But you know what? I don't know. I think it was a factor. I think we could just sum it up to the All-Star game never being an NBA Finals, no matter how much <laughs> you want it to be. Just want a little no bit of defense, how- man. You know, get your stance. These guys, Get your stance. I think the uh, dog yeah. kidnapping policy should be there. All right, guys, moving down to <laughs> Raptors discussion. Obviously, there wasn't a game this week. However, we are just after the All-Star break, so it would be a great opportunity for us to do like a mid-season report guard for Toronto Raptors. We're not going to go through every single name. No Alfonso McKinney breakdowns. Um, but I'll start off myself. I'm going to go with OG Ananobi, and I'm going to give him an A grading. Not an A+, plus, not an A-, minus, a solid A, currently averaging. 5.9 points per game, 2.5 rebounds, shooting 45% from the field and just under 35% from the three-point line. I just think with the Toronto Raptors, what they needed the last couple years and they thought they're going to get into Mario Carroll is like a good 3 and D wing and obviously, you know, OG's kind of struggled, especially in the latter half of the season. Rookie but wall. He, rookie wall, but he does, he does fit that skill set. You know what I mean? He's still top 10 in rookies and defensive win shares and he's just like, he's that guy that like you he's don't a- need to orchestrate an off offense or no. a team around he's a guy that can like just fit in he's a glue and, guy yeah exactly he's a glue guy and you know getting him at 23 you know comparative value you know like Tyler Lydon went 24th you know guys were kind of talking about OG being a top 10 player based yep. on that skill set and he's just been a revelation for us and he's only going to get better he's my A rating moving down the list going to throw it over to Christian Graf and I got DeMar DeRozan so DeMar I think for me gets an A plus uh, he's had sort of the season that he always talks about in the offseason doing work and, and putting work in. This is the first year I think I've, we've really seen it. That not only is he much better of a three-point shooter, but he's so much better of a passer. And yeah. I think that's the reason why, for me, I mean, he's sort of taken over the team from Kyle, even, yep. as sort of who's the, the, the most important factor. Kyle definitely was it before. Yep. Now DeMar makes the team go when he's on there. He likes to pass yep. more than he did ever before. Um, he's averaging 23 points a game, basically 24 points a game, five assists, and Kyle Lowry's only averaging 6.5. Yep. So you look at that, and again, he's done every th- single thing well. The three-point shot is getting there. It, it, right now, you know, he's only shooting it at 33%, but for me, DeMar hasn't, you know, he hasn't told, shown me anything that has been a decline in his game. It's yeah. only been positive, and I think there's also promise in the f- going forward that he's going to be better defensively, oh, sure. and he'll be better like in pretty much every facet of the game. I feel like he's buying into what Dwayne Casey's trying to do with the team. 
which is, I think, in my opinion, the most important thing. He's not being a hard head. He's not being an adversary. He's being complimentary, accepting, and embracing. At 28 years old, too. At 28 how, years old. How can you give him, though, the A-plus when he's missed two game-winning shots <laughs> this season? Well, because the we Raptors are first. need him to first. be a stone-cold killer closer. I agree it's an A, but is it an A-plus? I do. Th- what would is put he him infallible? over, over like an A-plus? Is there any Raptor right now that you would give an A-plus to? I guess it's my counter Dwayne question. Casey. <laughs> Lucas, there you go. For the face tattoo. All right, Greg <laughs> is next up the bat. You got Serge Ibaka. I think he's a B plus. I love. I I, I like the signing of Serge to begin with. On paper, uh, stretch four defensive presence. I like that he ha- that they've downgraded his shot uh, or pull up threes. Yeah. I like that he's taking a step in. I like when he takes it to the basket. Um, I like the toughness that he brings. If his scoring could be a little more regular, he gets into the A territory. So by giving him a B, it's not to say that he hasn't been doing his job. I think a lot of his job is like symbolic, yeah, yeah. right? Like he's, you know, this is a guy that that is willing to put up his fist with James Johnson, and and toughness I think is underrated. Like a lot of people don't understand the importance of just being physical, yeah. and when and that I think is kind of what we're paying for with Ibaka, like a presence. But is he a $22 million a year player? I think for us, be, because we so badly needed that guy, that stretch four, and we needed someone that can cover up for JV's uh, uh, slowness of foot. Yeah, Patrick and Patterson clearly wasn't no, moving the needle. And we needed, years. and again, like you're paying for that presence, and, and you know what? He has been that, yeah. right? He, I don't care what anybody says, he makes the Raptors tougher. He does. I, I feel like you guys no, for sure. Like last year in the fourth quarter, JV would never play. Who was the guy who was the five man for oh, the yeah. Raptors? Oh yeah, and that's huge, right? You need that. And so I think they paid him for that. And then going into this year, there was that plus the fact that oh hey, JV's now playing good. So now we have two guys. So I don't think that his numbers exactly reflect that twenty-two million dollar contract. But exactly like you said, like that toughness factor, his presence. his presence, exactly the fact that he can be that guy, yeah. the guy he who's going to step to James. He stretches the floor. Exactly. My yeah. question and to he's you, physical, uh, very physical. Question for you, Graf. And in hindsight. Looking at you know how surge impacts the current contract of the roster, would you still give him that contract? No, I wouldn't. I, I also disagree with the B plus. I think it's probably like a B minus or a C plus for oh for shit. Yeah. Just just simply because he hasn't lived up to the expectations from sort of trade deadline. Like we we gave him last year as a pass because he had to get sort of acclimated to the system. This year now he's played the whole time, like the whole season. And if anything, his minutes have sort of gotten eaten into by Siakam and Pirtle. But he's had some really good stretches, man. He's had some 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 stretches where I mean he's chasing down people. He's and also some bad three. stretches. Well, he's though, a very too. difficult guy to grade just in the fact like it, looking at the way the salary cap ballooned you know if it kept growing realistically this would be a sound contract but based on how it's stagnated you know it's very difficult for me to sit here and say a guy who's earning 22 million dollars and doing what's on the court on a nightly basis is a b plus value that's my two cents <laughs> like when i look at it i just say where could the raptors have spent 22 million dollars elsewhere and could they have got more value yeah, for that's that that's a great point that's a great point and right? i don't think that was on the market for them I think yeah and again like value just to your point the points per game or, or the numbers with Ibaka it's again it's something where it's kind of a little bit harder to measure I feel but I think he plays an important role for our team great point all right moving down the list next up is all-star point guard Kyle Lowry I'll throw it to Javon Kyle Lowry is my dog you know but I got to give him a B minus Ooh, um, B minus is not a bad thing. When I got B minus in high school, I was happy. So, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. So this B minus just, I think it correlates more to Kyle Lowry's aging more than anything else. Uh, his inability to stay healthy for lengths of time. Um, his inability to be consistent with his shot coming into the season. Uh, he's definitely not the face of the franchise the way DeMar DeRozan currently is. DeMar DeRozan has definitely taken that from him. He's the man. Um, I think that uh, more than anything, uh, it's just age. Like, I mean, Kyle Lowry is not going to be the way he was last year or the year before. But the one thing I can say that Kyle Lowry has progressed in and has done a better job at and has grown into this role is a mentor, a teacher, and somebody who uh, the young point guards, who are phenomenal, can look up to. So when I look at guys like 
Fred Van Fleet, right. undrafted. Um, DeLon Wright, late first. late first round, didn't really play his first year, injured, kind of struggled last year. And these guys were expected to come in this year and, and play huge roles for the Raptors. And who's shown them the path? Who's let them know how you have to play and what you got to do? When I look at these two young point guards play, I see Kyle Lowry. And I think that in itself it warrants Kyle Lowry I, for that $30 million contract that he's getting right now. I just think a B plus, B minus grade is a little harsh. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, we've seen a little bit of a drop off this season of Kyle Lowry. But how many thirty-one-year-old point guards are performing at this level, comparatively speaking? Like, yeah, I mean, that's a, a drop-off rate. Like, you know, as a point guard, obviously, it's, you're, it's depend on your athleticism and speed. You know, as exactly. well as your basketball IQ. But right? I don't think but he's lost too much of a no, step. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to get at. You know, like he hasn't lost that much of a step. Maybe I'd minuscule, yeah. but comparatively, like he's still the Kyle Lowry we know. And I don't know. Yeah, so I think when you I factor that into the grade as well. So I think. Uh, when you look at Kyle Lowry, his ability to get in the paint, break down his defender and get in the paint and kick it out, I don't think it's as strong as it was in previous seasons. Yeah, I, I find like he is he is jacking up the I think uh, a similar amount of three-pointers, a lot of transition threes, and for sure they're going in, but his ability to get in the paint, break down the defense and kick it out, I don't think it's as strong, but I actually, actually I also don't think the Raptors need that as much. I see like, him doing more season. of that in the playoffs. Exactly. Right? So, and, and that shot, only point the thing with Lowry it's all about his consistency. Yeah. Like, right? He's he's so, like... I remember that they did a comeback against the Wizards. He was hitting shots that he shouldn't have been hitting and missing shots that he should that he needed to hit. Yeah. Right? Like, he's one of those guys where you could see, like... he Lowry needs to just meditate. Lowry, if you would stumble upon this podcast, take up meditation. Yes. I guarantee you it'll help. Right? Just, like, he just needs to calm down a bit and focus in. Yeah, man. I feel like he... Right? His inconsistency is his only knock. But I'll tell you this much. Like, where is inconsistent in terms of production, he's very consistent effort. in terms of effort yep. and energy. He's bringing it 150%. He's going to take charges. He's going to box the, oh. out the biggest if guy. If that stuff, and, right, then we're good. Like, and, and that's all we need of yeah. him. Like, we don't need him to hit all the shots. It would be great. Like, there's games where he has 40 points, and then there's games where he has 10 points. Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't know the difference because yeah. his energy and his effort is always there. Yeah. Alright all right, guys, moving down the list, next up for me is Norman Powell. Um, mm. I'm going to give Norman a C- rating, not a D, a C-. Currently shooting 39.5% from the floor and a very cumbersome 29% from deep second round pick. The reason why I gave him a C- and not a D, and obviously he's having a terrible season, probably the worst guy in the rotation at this conjecture of the season. I just, it's a second round pick and it was a hole the team needed to fill and we didn't really know what was going to happen with the bench this year, especially the improved play of OG and Anobi and guys like Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam, solidifying the bench essentially. I think what we were thinking at that time was having that one guy that can come off the bench and be the immediate spark plug and clearly it hasn't happened this year, but I don't think he's a waste of a talent. I just think he's having no. a rough season overall. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that, Greg? What did, what did Lou Williams get his new contract for? I think it's eight years over four no, 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 no. four years eight million per per year but that, that, what are we paying pal yeah but that's that's 10 million yeah but we're talking about the stagnation of the salary cap you know like in hindsight yes it probably is a stupid contract but in all actuality you know it's not i'm the just worst saying in, in terms of like you want instant offense it's like and we have yeah, the will and yeah, we let him walk but when we and signed, this guy can't throw a, a yeah, grape he, in the ocean when you when we signed powell did you realistically think coming in the season that fred van vliet would turn a corner like this or did you think the bench would be the salt i don't think season, him right? not getting minutes has anything to do like I think in the sense else. of that that goes against your argument of anything. I would say that no, him losing minutes is a reflection of him well, not playing well enough yeah, to be in the lineup. I mean. No, no, I'm just saying having the security of having that safety blanket of that contract over the next four years and not knowing that these guys would be as good as they are was a sound decision at the time, or sound-ish at the time. I didn't think he'd fall off the face of the earth this degree, but giving him a four-year was a forty-four million dollar contract. At least, like we know that we. Have him? Yeah, yeah. No, look, but who's really I'm taking the minutes? Though? Silver lining is it those guys, or is it is it the guy who's now starting for the Raptors at the three position? I love Anunoby. Anunoby should be starting. And the He's thing the is, we, we never expected that, that. We never expected that going into the season, ACL injury. right? Yeah. So Powell's starting was something that you know we're like this guy earned it. He came in the second round. He never uh, complained. Yeah. He never cried. He busted his ass. And when the Raptors needed him in the playoffs, they needed somebody who could step up. Who is the guy who stepped up every yeah. single like, time? Like, when's the last it time we had a, like a, a two, three, like come across like that, especially like a second round fake or a first. He's rounder, an undersized like, three, though. I always thought he was undersized. Oh, no, for sure, he was. Right? Like, I see him as more like he—he's a three that can yeah. guard like a Bradley Beal, 
right? But he couldn't guard like a James Harden, yeah, yeah, for yeah. instance. Well, no one could, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, try to contain, guard. contain, slow down, slow him down, exactly. <laughs> I, I would, you have to go year over year if yeah. we're doing comparison. And compared to last year, what he did for the Raptors was completely different compared to his role this year. He's the only Raptor right now with a per under 10, it's 8.9. His value over replacement is negative. Again, the only Raptor like that. Like, if you look at advanced stats, he's like one of the worst players in the NBA. You are yeah. our analytics guy, and I have a computer in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but but I can't. so do you disagree if a C minus grade? Uh, yeah, no. He gets the lowest grade of the Raptors. But he who, needs to bring who, his hard hat. Who gets a higher grade than him? I would but, give him a D. You know a what? Flat D. The yeah. one thing I can say about him is whenever he comes in the game, I, like, I don't see like a lack of energy or a lack of effort. I just look at it as a guy who's lost and trying to find his way, and he's grinding through it. Like He's trying to make the most but of his opportunities. Is he bringing that energy still on the, def- on the defensive end? Because to me, it seems like he's letting his offensive struggles affect what he could be doing on defense, yeah, which is getting his hands on more. But like that's where he made his money from. It wasn't he was never a Demar Derozan scorer. No, no, he but I feel like he came in this year thinking he would be, and because that the starting position got taken away from him and the bench is what it is. Now he's just kind of in his own head. Yeah, I, he's he, definitely. We haven't he heard definitely needs to get his head out of his ass. Yeah, we haven't heard the last of him this year. He's gonna have a, he's gonna have an uprising. All right, yeah. moving down the list. We'll next up to oh. bat is Christian yeah. Graphic. He talked to me about Bebe. <laughs> so yeah, baby. So uh, Nogueira what, ranking this guy. Okay, go on. Nogueira for me gets a C plus, and it's kind of similar to what we were just talking about. He's kind of lost his minutes in the rotation. We thought Nogueira was going to be, you know, there wasn't really too much promise, I guess, for Nogueira, but there always was hope that he'd be a player that we can rely on, and I guess be what Pirtle is right now. Yeah, that that's I guess my biggest argument is Pirtle has taken his role on the team, and because of that solely, it's not that. You know, we haven't like when we see him out there, he plays fairly well. It's just he doesn't get the opportunity because Pirtle's playing too well. He's taking the minutes over, and again, it's just again the new NBA is really fast, quick transit. He's long. That's yeah. the one thing you give him. So he, he's very good defensively, but he doesn't bring you much offensively. And year over year, I haven't seen the progression. I guess I've really wanted to see. So for me, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a C C plus for Nogueira. Fun piece of trivia: How do we get Nogueira in the first place? Uh, didn't we trade for him? I don't know. You tell us. I'm pretty sure we traded for him. He was part of the John Salmon salary dump to Atlanta where we got Noguera and Sweet Lou Williams. Oh, nice. It's a good tidbit for uh, a trivia game. Yeah, a little piece of uh, trivia information. And, uh, you know, well, are we done with Noguera? Yeah, yeah, I'll throw it to Greg right now. Talk to me about CJ Miles. Mm. Uh, You know what? B minus. Um, he, I feel like if he was starting, he would look better because he's had to come off the bench in the bench dad role. Uh, like he's the only sort of half court offensive threat that the Raptors have in, in in that lineup. So I feel like he gets loaded up on teams, sort of gear up for him. Uh, I again, I I think his value will come in the playoffs, and I mean the guy's had some health issues. I know he had a kid, so his sleep's a little off. He's showed up in some big games. Again, I I see us rolling him out in our best five man lineup, replacing OG with him in crunch time when when we need it. So it's a B minus, but I see it trending upwards, and I definitely see the potential. Definitely, definitely. I don't know how. I don't know what you guys. think. He's only shooting thirty eight percent from three. But like, what that's kind of what is he shooting over his last month though? But I know he str- he, he struggled coming in, he and shoot- I think the difficulty of his threes, like the uh, like though he's taking some 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 hard threes and he's making them. So like he's taking contested threes, like end of the shot clock threes when nobody else wants to take, and he's just chucking it up there. He's our and best it, shooter. No, definitely our Absolutely. best pure shooter. Absolutely. Again, it's just I guess the the only thing about CJ Miles for me is that he forces too many threes. It's kind of like a Baca last year I when think, he kept forcing a shot. I don't that, think he's forcing it like like when they could get a better shot. I think he's forcing it when that's the last opportunity they have. Like I feel like sometimes like the Raptors go deep in the shot clock, too much driving kicks, driving kicks, driving kicks, and it doesn't really produce anything, and then he's just chucking it up. And I think that's the one reason why I think in the playoffs he should be in this sort of slotted into the starting lineup. Yeah. Because in the secondary lineup, you're right, there's no pure you know offensive star. There's nobody that's a good half-court scorer other than CJ, so they defer. Yeah. They always give the ball to him at the end of the shot clock if they can't, you know, if it's not working. Yeah. And then he is almost forced into a shot, and that exactly. brings his percentages down and blah, 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 blah. If you kind of put him in in the starting lineup, they're not they're not feel obligated or forced to go to him. There's way more options. So exactly. again, I, I don't know. It's a, a long 
it's a long argument I guess we've had on the podcast, but who should start OG or CJ? I think whoever starts will benefit the most, obviously. Like, like you said offense, earlier. Offense, defense, which I'd like to see Miles put the ball on the floor more. He's got some he's got some some you know what in his game. Like he could take it to the rim. Oh, for he's sure. he's got a little he's got some moves. He does. No, he's actually a pretty complete basketball player. I think uh, as long as he's taking what the defense gives him. If they're not going to close out, hit the shot. Yeah, if they close exactly. out too hard, put it on the floor. Exactly. Just got to, you know, take what the defense gives His you. His value will come. We're going to see. Like, I'm waiting to reevaluate him yeah. in the playoffs. He's a veteran, and we hired him for those moments. So, he's really going to see. His value will come in the playoffs. Exactly. Moving down the list, next up is Javon. Can you give me a uh, grade for Jakob Pertl? Well, you know, Pertl's my guy. You know, I don't uh, really – I don't I don't, I don't like uh, – uh, Bebe too much. Uh, I felt like Pirtle getting drafted where he was. Um, a lot of people were criticizing him for that. Uh, for the fact that he got drafted ninth, a lot of critics said that there are a lot of better players in the draft, but getting drafted ninth, I feel uh, the Raptors got banged for their buck. And he's showcasing that this year with the lengths and strides that he's made from his rookie campaign. You know, I still think he can get better in a lot of areas. I'll address those, but I'm going to give him a B. Plus. I'm going to give him a B. Plus. He knows the offense to a T. His defensive tenacity is is great. Uh, the energy he brings, and then not only that, but like the second efforts that he has. So he's gonna contest the shot, and then he's gonna get back into play and recontest the shot. Or he's gonna chase. He's gonna be the trailing uh, defender on a, a fast break. If there's a contest at the rim, he's going in for the rebound, or he's going in for the recontest. Uh, his screen and pick and roll with Delon Wright and Fred and Ka- and Kyle Lowry is is amazing. Um, I love all those things about him. I'm going to give him a B plus because I do still think there's room for improvement. Uh, and that's pretty much just his jump shot, his free throw shooting. And if he's able to get those things down, watch out. I think, like, they were talking about, jer- like, going back to Pirtle's draft stock, I guess. Like, people were kind of, like, lampooning the Kings for releasing Giorgio's Papagiannis last week. Um, am I pronouncing that right? Yep. <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you, Greg. No, there Got we our go. house the, the, the Cypriot Greek uh, translator for us. Cypriot assassin. There we go. There um, but realistically, like, we took Pirtle, what, ninth? Thumbmaker went after him 10th, and Demonis Sabonis yeah. went 11th. Like, there's no guys on in the first round, realistically, that I'd rather have than Jakob Pirtle. And you're right. Like, Especially for what the Raptors need. Exactly, exactly. So I think uh, the scouting... Uh, uh, Masai's work on this draft class, what was it, 2015? I think it was amazing. 2016. And, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about this draft and say it was, like, one of the worst draft classes of all time. And I'm just like, hey, man, you know. Rookie of the year. Yeah, like, you know, like, you just got to. That's what it is, right? Debatable. (laughs) What was your grade for him? Uh, I gave him a B plus. Okay. Let me ask you this, though. Does it concern you that, that he can't shoot the ball? No. Like you know what I mean though, like he yeah, actually like he's a brick. Shoot it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but he can, he can catch it, which Valanciunas can't do. No, no Valanciunas can catch it. He can catch he's it. He's got butter hands. Nah, he can catch it, man. He's, he's catching it in the post. Yeah, guys are throwing it to him. Like, but, I don't but you know, know what I mean, man. right? Like you see it in his free throws, and everything with him is like a, a layup or a push shot or a hook or a dunk, which is fine because that's his game. Do you see him needing to expand that to take it to the next level? I or do because he's the center. Like, when I look at the Raptors and for them to win the championship, because ultimately that's their goal and that's what I'm going to look at them for when I'm grading them. Yeah, you have to be building towards that. Exactly. So all players on the Raptors need to get better and all players have areas that they need to improve on. Um, For Jakob Pertl, his would be the jump shot. So players now have to respect him. Just the baseline, right? The baseline jump shot. The baseline mid-range jump shot. He shoots 65%. From the floor. His field goal percentage is 65%. Okay. So does he really need to add a jump shot? So what's his field goal percentage from 15 feet? Probably higher. Right. Within within 15 feet? No, 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 no outside like, 15 feet. But what, what, like my point is, what's the point? His like 50%. To be honest with you, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not important right now. It's not. Because right now, he's just doing screen and rolls. He, he's like doing his, what he needs to do. He doesn't need to step He's doing what's asked of him. We're talking exactly. about you know, the landscape of the game now. Yeah. You know, Jonas Valanciunas is shooting a three-pointer now. Exactly. Jakob yeah. could develop these skill sets eventually. But JV the was always the one th- a good shooter. He was. Like, like, he always had a nice... like A nice stroke. Uh, yeah. Mm. This is my... I, I look at that shot, and it's like... It's, it's broken. Because he's never had to shoot it. He's been so athletic. Yeah. Right, I think so. I'm, you know, I'm asking you: Is that something that needs to come for him to really become an impact player and a starter in the league? 
for him to be a for him to be a starter and an impactful player, I do think he's gonna need that shot just because of where the game's going. Like Everybody has to shoot it. Shot, right? Exactly. Like, like you have to be a, you have to be a threat from out there, yeah. right? Like there's gonna come a point where he's gonna get exposed because mm-hmm. guys are just gonna figure yeah. out how to defend him yeah. and they're just gonna leave him there. And like when he's taking that jump shot and I seen him take him, like he's not comfortable taking that. Oh. Like if I was a coach, I'd be like, okay, just let him shoot out there, yeah. guard him in the paint. Yeah. All right, next up on the list is the six-foot point guard from Wichita State, the six-foot undrafted point guard from Wichita State, Fred Van Vliet. Keep playing simple last two months, averaging 11.5 points per game, shooting just above 50% from the field, just below wow. 30% from the three-point line. Wow. Within the last month, month of February, five assists per game. Just wow. a guy who's coming so in his own. Good. My grade for him this season is an A-. There's obviously aspects of the game that he can improve on, but just being that spark plug off the bench, providing us immediate offense, especially being an undrafted player and a really unknown commodity coming into the season, Fred Van Vliet's been a revelation. I and, agree. No, for sure. And, you know, a lot of you, you guys are mentioning how you guys want to see C.J. Miles in the fourth quarter with the starters. But who's actually the guy who's in the starting well, lineup with your, the fourth quarter? From your quarter? perspective, though, how, like, how would you stagger those crunch time minutes? Let's say come playoff time. Like, do you need to have Fred Van Vliet on the court? Like, who is your, your starting five, five seconds left, down by two? You need to take care of the ball. That's what you need to do. Mm. What happened in the playoffs last year and the previous years? They would trap DeMar DeRozan and he wouldn't know what to do. They would trap Kyle Lowry and they wouldn't know what to do because they're ISO players. It was an ISO team and they would just end up turning over the ball. At least now, There's I remember there was an occasion where they would trap DeRozan and Van Fleet would cut pass and he would find that, he would fill the passing lane and they would hit him for the pass and it would just, like offense would smoothing. Exactly. Yeah. Pressure valve. Exactly. A release. a release, exactly. And that's, that's what, what he Norm provides for really them. really do too much. Exactly. And Fred Van Fleet, because Norm Powell's a slasher, he's a scorer. Fred yeah. Van Fleet is a, is a point guard. He's an IQ guy. He's another floor general. He's just a winner, man. Yeah, he just knows exactly. How to win. And he comes See from it. that program at yeah. Wichita State, right? So He reminds me a lot of Fred Van Vliet. I was watching a G League game a couple weeks ago. I can't remember his first name. Keen? He's a backup point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing he, for the G League. I think he's from Carlton, actually. He, yep, yep, yep. He looks phenomenal. Ka- Ka- like, yeah. Yeah, it's an exact same skill set as Fred He's Van coming Vliet. from Dave Smart, man. The basketball yep. factory. The best... The most successful basketball program in all of, From our I think, the matter, world. From our alma mater, that's right. All right, moving down the list. Uh, next up, Graffin. Can you talk to me about DeLon Wright? DeLon Wright, well, again, similar to Fred Van Vliet, having a, a, a really good year. A lot of Raptors fans obviously know DeLon Wright. I don't think he's known around the league as much because he's one of the players I would have considered voting for the Rising Rising Stars Challenge. Maybe it's his name. It's not a very, but like... Do they well, consi- he's the brother of... Do they consider uh, Terrell Wright? brother. Former high school standout. Do, do they consider third-year uh, players for this uh, for that game, the uh, the Rising Stars Challenge, or is it just first and second-year players? Because I know he's a third-year player. Ooh. That's a good question. So he, okay, he you lost could have trumped me a there. big chunk to injury, I think. Exactly, so his like, first year he was, he was like, gone. Yeah. Exactly. He did, and again, like even this year, his shoulder he got injured earlier yep, in the yep. year, and then everybody got scared. And look how he's come back. Like yeah. again, he's such a pivotal part of that second unit. Huge. We were doing well without him when he was out, but when he came back, it was just so much more. Again, the length. I can't say it more. And his length and his ability to just defensively disrupt just about everything. He's he's another player that you can consider putting out there in that final couple exactly. minutes of a game, exactly. just because again he's has a point guard mentality. He can dribble the ball, and again I, I love that pass first kind of players. Yep. And again, if he if he slowly can develop this three point shot, like right now, I think it's he's coming. It's thirty seven percent. Oh no, and like he's, he's taking it with confidence there. and Riding, making it. Riding Star Challenge are first and second year players. First and second year players. Okay, so he wouldn't he wouldn't qualify. So. Not. But I'll tell you what though, he brings. Uh, between him and Fred Van Fleet, they're both uh, young point guards, but they're completely different in the way they play. Their style is so different. And just that contrast is so important for the Raptors because it's a, it's a matchup nightmare for any team that has to guard them. It's just like, okay, well, I got a point guard who can guard short, quick, stubby guys, but that same point guard that I have to guard that guy can't guard a long, wiry, athletic point exactly. guard. Exactly. DeLon Wright is like... It's, he's like the complete opposite yeah, like six, of... Yeah. You know, guard one through three. Like, he's the ideal backcourt mate you put with a guy like James Harden. You exactly. I mean? A guy who's so good off the ball who can guard multiple positions, like I mentioned. Everybody like, talks about... Ibaka can switch off. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Everybody Everybody talks about the Pelicans with two big men. We, we're, the Raptors are here with two point guards all the time. Right? That, now that's something to be talking like, about. Multiple guard lineups. Oh, yeah. I love it. Small, I love it too, man. Small lineups. Yeah, that's great. All right, I want to end this with Greg, so I'll throw it to Javon. He talked to me about Pete Pascal Siakam. 
the Tyler other first pa- round Pascal Siakam from 2016. Who, who, who is it? Jonesy who uh, calls Pirtle and Siakam ebony and ivory? Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Have you seen like their social media behavior as well? Those oh, they love, love each like other. Best friends. Yeah, it's hey, man, and it shows on the court, man. It shows on the court. It's amazing. Commercials now too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I know Siakam won the uh, G League last year with uh, the the rest of the Raptors bench. Uh, I'm pretty sure Pirtle wasn't on that team, but. You know, that championship that they had, that pedigree they had, the culture they established there, carried right over into the Raptors this year. And Siakam, Pirtle, uh, Van Fleet, uh, DeLon Wright, these guys are coming in off the bench and they're setting the tone for the game. The starters aren't setting the tone for the game. The starters are trying to match that tone and he's part of that. Uh, For me, Siakam, this year right now, I got to give a B plus. None of these guys I'm giving A's because none of these guys have proven it when it really matters. Mm -hmm. Like right now, like they're... You know, they're first in the East. Uh, they're playing phenomenally. Um, they're leading the bench. Uh, but just like Perdo, Siakam used to work on his jump shot. I think he's like 14% from three. Uh, Nin- oh, 19. So- Get it right. Okay, my bad. He's still <laughs> sub 20. Graphen. But you know what? He's not afraid to take that shot. And I, I have full confidence in his ability to raise that to 25% before the season's done. And hopefully 30% next year. Christian, so. you look like you got a little rebuttal on that B-plus grade. You got anything to say about the Siakam grading by Javon? No, I like it. I, yeah. Like you, No, you said before, like, I wouldn't give any of these young guys an A. Yeah. And I, I sort of agree with that. That's why I gave DeLon a B-plus, because they've all been well above expectations. But, again, They still have lots of room to improve, exactly. which is a scary thing, in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly. All right, we're going to throw it to the, uh, I guess, Greg's favorite player on the Toronto Raptors, the guy that he... Uh, I guess if you listen to the last few podcasts, a guy Greg has made every single effort to support and show some love toward, and that's Jonas Valanciunas. My dog, I love well, that guy too. It's easy now, right? It's 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 easy now, right? There was a time when it was just me and Jovan, you know, on JV Island all by ourselves, right? Hey, I haven't necessarily disparaged JV that much. I've been a hey, fly on the wall in the conversation. I remember podcast twenty seven. You're like, who can we get for this guy? We need to get yeah. rid of this guy. Yeah, but I'm the blow it up guy. You know what I mean? Like that's why I love the Brooklyn Nets. Like I just like that. No, no. That's why you love fantasy baseball, don't lie. Yo, the rim is still I, I 10 watch feet the, tall, right? The rim is still 10 feet tall. You still need big dudes. Yeah, Are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> but, but look, I think, look, with him, uh, you know, anywhere between an A- minus and an A to me in terms of what he's done this year, yeah. I think he's wow. got to be our third star. And I think he can be a third star. Wait, did you say he's an A-? minus? Yeah, man. We don't win. We don't, we don't win like we're winning without him. Yeah, no, right. For sure. This is this is our major rebounder. He's one. He's outplayed every major center that he's played this year, except for Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's outplayed every single major center. Those, yeah, but how can you those give games against the Pelicans? We won only because of him. How can you yeah. give it? Yeah, exactly. He the shut Pelicans. down those He's things. shooting a three-point shot at you? a high efficiency rate. He's our highest field goal percentage player. Okay. He shoots 80-something percent from the line, mm-hmm. right? And he does all the brute work. And he's setting the screens. Like, our whole offense is pick and roll. He's the guy that actually has to take those hits every single day to free up our, our, our guards. I find it difficult to give... Like, I love Jonas this season. I'm not saying he's having a bad season whatsoever. But I'm saying it's difficult to give an A grade to a player who can't even be on the court in specific matchups against certain teams in general. It's more of a testament to the evolution of the game as well. But... I can't give an A grading to a guy who fits a very specific stencil. You know what I mean? Who can't play in certain situations. You use the Pelicans as an example. Clearly, Jonas can thrive in a situation when he has two bigs in the low post. When you put Jonas there against a, a, like the Golden State Warriors. There isn't example. a team. Right. No, but he played good against the Warriors. There, There isn't, and again, you have to punish teams the other way. There exactly. isn't a team that's exposed us really that, that way. Yeah, okay, we are better maybe defensively without him certain situations, but the fact is he's won you games this year. Yeah. That's why he gets the grade, because he's had an impact. And I think Period. also, um, I don't think his ability, his matchup s- situations on the court are as limited as you say, Brandon. I think his ability this year, going into this year, he's really he's slimmed better. down. He's gotten laterally quicker, and he's able to guard uh, a higher percentage of, of bigs in the league. Not just your your brute force guys like uh, who's the all star from Detroit? Help oh, me out, guys. Drummond, and then uh, the guy from New Orleans, uh, cousins, cousins yeah. all these guys. I think that. Uh, 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 Jonas Valanciunas he can actually guard he can't guard a guy like Antetokounmpo but he's not going to let him walk in the paint yeah exactly and that and this thing he, he's so key for us if the Raptors are serious about taking that step to the finals you don't get there without JV playing good I really I really believe that because he is an X factor for us other teams right so Cleveland doesn't have a player like him 
Exactly. Right? And I feel like with, with, with LeBron, you need even... Okay, yeah, JV's not an amazing shot blocker, but like... If you're LeBron James, you don't want to drive and take a hit from such a big guy. From a, from a, a seven foot two sixty five guy. Yeah. Every single time. And the thing that I love about JV and the Raptors all together is he's just another look for them. He's exactly. just he's just another yeah. option. Yeah. So you're saying another look though, a seventeen million dollar per year different look though. A seventeen like, million. Maybe Yakup Pertle wouldn't. That can win you a playoff series. Maybe Yakup Pertle's like you know. 60 cents or 70 cents on the dollar with Jonas Valanciunas. So I'm saying with that cap flexibility, having 17 million dollars to play around and put different guys on the team and talk about different looks, you'll bring in a guy like bring back PJ Tucker, for example. With that. I don't know. That's the way I view it. Like, from in my opinion, I, I, it's just I like you. I don't hate Jonas. Like, I don't hate Jonas at all. I'm just saying there's multiple factors that you know impact his grade. You know, I'm not, it, it, when it comes to on court performance, sure, you can exactly. give him a B plus. Sure, I'll give him that. But I'm saying factoring when, his contract nah, and his physical limitations. When, 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 when I look at was, this, sorry, this is a guy that was good, that like for everyone, they, he was pronounced for dead. He was a fossil. He, was, yeah. he goes revolutionizes his game, comes Expands back, expands it. Yeah, has a threes. great season. Yep. He's shooting the three like. It's dramatic to see the change in that three. It's or, or, or the fact it's a guy that took what two threes leading up to this year. Graf, and where are you at with? He's uh, dropping him like. Oh, I think Joe And his to... his one on one game, like you say, seventy cents on a dollar with uh, uh, Perdo. I'd say fifty cents on a dollar at this point in their careers because you know when I look at uh, JV, it's like okay, you know what? Sure, he's getting seventeen million dollars a season, but where else are we going to spend that money? And where else are we going to get that value uh, in terms of what the Raptors need? And I think the Raptors gave him that money. But they didn't just give it to him and said, figure it out. They gave it to him and they worked with him. They yeah. helped him develop. They said, this is what the Raptors need of you. And it's not just JV. They did it with everybody. Yeah. So they did it with him. They did it with right. Ibaka. And, you they, know. They believed in him. When you believe in people, yeah. right? Like, it allows them. And, like, you know, they, they had Jack Sigma working with him. And now you see he's got all these little moves. Yeah, right? man. And mention one-on-one. He, he is, after DeRozan, probably the best guy on the team and getting his own shot. We'll yeah. take a quick break from the Greg and Javon podcast <laughs> throw it to the fourth member of the panel, Christian Graffin. No, just just steaming. Sitting there just steaming. <laughs> no, I was going to say, now he can get off JV's dick um, <laughs> no, with, like with, this, dick. with this side of the, of the room over here. But no, you guys have said everything positive about JV in his game, which I agree with. But you're completely ignoring a lot of the negative as well. Like, there are so many limitations. Like, if, this, if he's so good, why is he not out there at the end of the fourth quarter every single game? It's because there are limitations start no but doesn't who gives a shit about starting it matters starting basketball games matters what's more important though greg the at last five minutes or the first five minutes no uh, having starter minutes is more important i'm asking you a question what's more important to you the last five minutes of a game or the first five minutes but the answer is obvious no but being a starter is more than just five minutes you're getting starter minutes because 25 minutes a game the last five minutes of the game are not averaging 22 minutes he's averaging 22 minutes a year this year which is lowest minutes in the league ever ever. but do you know why he's averaging amount of rebounds he's ever averaged as well in the last rebounds rebounds per 48 though if you go if you average that out to the per 48 numbers and and the reason why you have to do that is because the raptors are dominating teams where the five guys who start the game don't even play the fourth quarter you can bring up they don't even 48 minutes for sure but there's a reason why he's playing 22 minutes a game because the Raptors are blowing out every team. What's Lowry playing? It's what I talked about before. I'm saying he can't fit into specific schematic offensive or defensive structures because of his limitations as a player. I haven't seen 22 that this year. 22 minutes a game because of the modern iteration of the it's game. because he doesn't you know play what? when he's exposed. No, but, but the Raptors are giving us opportunities where he's come and actually really punish teams because no, but again, small. You, but listen, again, that's the positive. You're only considering the po- Yes, no, no, we no. get it. There are some situations in where JV can come out and d- dominate. But the, there are many other situations where we can't even have him on the floor. Like, look, Cleveland's a great example. Look what happens in the playoffs with Cleveland. You can't have who's JV going to guard in the playoffs? Who's going to guard JV in the playoffs? What do you mean? He gets exposed every single year, and if he's our main scoring option, it's hey. not the best option for us to have JV. I remember what well, they against Cleveland. Jonas Valanciunas is the number one guy. Yes. No, we're no, not. no, not number one guy. Like, he's okay. a third star. We this team doesn't take the next step unless he is fully embraced as the third star that he's shown to be this year. And he's we can't been the best player in numerous games. I don't think it's down. fair to look at the previous seasons and compare it to the Raptors seasons and saying, look, this is what the Raptors did previously and this is the reason why they're not going to win this year because this year they're doing something completely different. He's actually completely getting the ball this year, right? Exactly. He's actually getting touches. They didn't got- give him no touches last time. Alright guys, we're 40 minutes down the podcast so we'll move into another topic very soon. I'm the host of this podcast so I'll give the floor to Christian Graffin with the last final comment regarding Jonas Valanciunas. That's a power move. It is. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a B. 
There we go. All right, moving down. I, I I agree with Graffin. I think B B plus, but B. He's a B player this year. A All minus. Right, moving down the list, we'll go to general enemy discussions very shortly. One more Raptors thing we need to talk about, though. Um, shortly after the NBA trade deadline, there's a rash of players who are bought out. Player buyouts. They go to contending teams. We've seen it in the past. We've seen it this season already. Joe Johnson is currently the newest member of the new. Sorry, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. No, no, no. No, Houston well, Rockets. Houston Rockets. Rockets. I fucked that up. Um, um, yep, you Joe Johnson it. plays for the Houston Rockets, but um, <laughs> there's uh, several guys who could potentially be available. Guys like Vince Carter, Tony Allen, Shabazz Muhammad, Ersan Ilyasova, Derrick Rose, Mr. Adidas Derrick Rose, Zach yeah. Randolph, Kosa Kufis, etc. Obviously with the Raptors this season, the whole narrative is the depth of our bench. Christian, does it make sense for us to bring in another guy to the fold? For me personally, the guy who makes the most sense is maybe a guy like Aaron Aflalo who already has played for Masai Ujiri in Denver, who has been struggling this year, I think playing roughly 12 minutes per game, but a guy who, you know, bread and butter is 3 and D, a guy that you know could provide some veteran stability off the bench come playoff time. I don't think we need anyone. And none of the names on that list were remotely enticing at all. It's not like, it wasn't like last year. It's not like last year. We spoke about it last week. If there's one player I'd want to add, it'd be Chris Bosh. And that'd be more for like the veteran presence. He doesn't even have to to play a minute. Yeah, yeah. He, He played with LeBron on two championship teams. You can just put him out there to be almost like another assistant coach almost. Oh, for sure. And he's going to want to play. That's the that's the difference. But uh, none of these names at all entice me. I think if anything Aaron Afalo would just take away minutes from the second unit. We don't need a player who's struggling to try to bring him up. If anything, we need a player who's doing well to come back and to come into this system. We don't need to ruin it to try to get a player going. Exactly. Well, we didn't get an opportunity to uh, talk to Greg about this. We kind of discussed it last oh, week. I love it. The concept of bringing Chris Bosh back in the fold. What, is, what are your thoughts? I, on- I was listening to it and kind of nodding along with, with what you guys... Look, maybe it's the nostalgia of it. Yeah. He's still... Again, his health is obviously first, but I don't think you go on first take and, and say what he said. Like, he made pretty clear indications that he wants he would play in Toronto. Nobody jokes about going to the Raptors. No. <laughs> no? Yeah, no. Right? <laughs> That's why... You know, I'll joke about, oh yeah, I'd love to play with LeBron. Nobody says, oh, I'd love to play in Toronto. Nobody says that. Yeah, man. No, so, uh, you know, look, uh, I think he would be uh, a player that you could bring in and he could have an impact. He's still young enough to play and, you know, in the modern NBA, right, shooting those threes, right? Yep. Hey, instead of Jonas, if you want to slip him in on a small ball small ball five man oh as I long as he's still mobile see Chris Bosch, but that would make me so happy now you got my hopes up Jonas's val Jonas's minutes would decrease to 15 per game. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know what like you could do the, the it would just make the Raptors so much more unpredictable yeah it would be like what and another like matchup said, issue I like what he said about oh you got to win four games you know or you got to play four games in the Air Canada Center that's nothing to play around with right like I, and he said that he laments the fact that he couldn't give us more playoff success it would be such a great way to end his career, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think he would rise to the occasion. But yeah, he's still got some game left in him. He's still young. I'll yeah, take him sure. over Vince Carter for no. the oh, for oh the hell n- yeah, for the nostalgia and for the potential of actually being a player that can give you some useful minutes. Hell yeah. And I, I, I don't want to get like redundant because this is what I was saying last week. Just my only <laughs> concern with bringing Chris Bosh is just our reputation as an organization. Bringing a guy who previously was released by Miami Heat because of concerns about his long-term health related to blood, clot, blood clots. I think it'd be cool to bring Chris Bosh back to the fold. But the reputation, you know, uh, the way we look as a league, our medical staff, bringing yeah. Chris Bosh, a guy who already know that realistically shouldn't even be playing basketball in the first place. Unless the Raptors have some magic medicine. Up Put it this way: we we healed OG Ananobi's knee. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Four, four months before it was supposed to, we could. We cure got that magic anything. medicine. Exactly. Just come to Canada. It's free healthcare. That's right, man. That's right Remember there, that. Universal healthcare. All right, guys. Moving down the list. Um, some unfortunate news. Sports Illustrated published an investigative story earlier today. Um, so about a culture of misogyny and predatory sexual behavior within the Mavericks organization. The report, which was released by SH John Wertheim and Jessica Luther, sort of divulges into the organization's reputation for uh, rampant sexual abuse, which is mainly centered around former CEO Trudemi Useri and his checkered history of sexual misconduct. The story also sort of discusses former Mavericks writer Earl Sneed, who, according to the report released by the Dallas Police Force, instigated two separate acts of domestic abuse on his ex-wife. Um, we'll listen to an audio clip with SI's John Wartheim talking about what Mark Cuban knew, kind of detailing his conversation with the Mavericks owner. No one you interviewed for this story said that Mark Cuban was involved or complicit. However, multiple people said they didn't believe that he was unaware, with one saying, of course Mark knew. Cuban told you 
he was blindsided by your reporting. Do you believe him? Yeah, I mean, I think this is an obvious direction the story is going to go. This is a very prominent owner. This is a guy who prides himself on, on hands-on approaches and on micromanaging. What did Mark Cuban know? Um, I've spoken with Mark a few times since we went to them uh, with a chance to comment. And Mark, as you say, claims to have no knowledge. Blindside, he's been very outspoken. He's embarrassed. He's ashamed. He's been very civil conversations. He's already addressed the, the, the employees of the team and, you know, I mean, I think that's a valid question. I think it's a reasonable question to wonder what this owner, especially of all owners, um, what, what he did or didn't know. Mark makes a distinction that, look, I'm a basketball guy. You ask me anyone's salary, I know it. You ask me about the basketball analytics, I know it. The business side is something totally separate. I don't even have an office there. These are questions that Mark will have to reckon with. But uh, again, he's, he's been very upfront and, and got right back to me. And we've had some email exchanges. Um, he's clearly upset by this and uh, you know we'll, we'll see where this goes from here. I think the more concerning issue related to this is the fact that like Mark Cuban sort of stated that he doesn't really deal with the business side of things. Like it just seems kind of baffling to be completely honest with you. But, like, uh, like are you surprised though? Like a culture of misogyny in what is the bastion of male privilege in Dallas? You're talking about in the American South? Of course there's some ass grabbing going on, man. Like I, I, I don't know, like this is this is a story. But it's upsetting, I guess, that, that Mark Cuban hadn't put a stop to it earlier, but I'm certainly not surprised that this was going on. I guess it's a hard thing for you to address as a team president. I think I imagine this to be rampant in a lot of Well, he's kind of like garnered this reputation as like the most progressive thinking owner in the NBA, and it's just going to dramatically impact, you know, the way we view Mark Cuban. As and the this, most involved. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, like regardless if he was directly you know, like involved with this situation in general, it's 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 still gonna like. Is there how are they gonna change the situation moving forward, Christian? Like, I don't. Well, look, it's already directly resulted in the firing of the HR and I think their VP. Yeah. So again, there's there's tangible results coming from this already. Yeah. Like if 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 that alone, you almost have to think of it from the woman's perspective, right? That according to, to Sports Illustrated, that's where this broke. There are dozens of women who contacted Sports Illustrated and said that they left the Dallas Mavericks because of the culture there, because of the way that things were, oh, went wow. to other teams, saw that it was different, and basically have warned other women whenever they get there. So again, to me, the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, if you're Mark Cuban, there's a reason why I think he was part of the the whole... Donald Sterling issue and sort of go being outspoken against the fact that he doesn't think he should be in, involved with a, pol a personal issue being involved with business because I, this, these reports have been going on for a long time and again it's now a big story because a little bit because of the age. timing yeah. exactly but at the same time these are things that have been said for a long time that it was almost a matter of time of when it was going to come yeah. out the thing yeah. that bothered me the most from support though was when S Mark Cuban found out about Steed's sort of like um you know, a uh, volatile relationship with his wife, you know, or girlfriend at the time, obviously hitting her, beating her, um, you know, Mark Cuban didn't fire him. And his response was that he didn't want another organization to hire someone with such a sketchy history of sexual, or sorry, physical abuse, domestic abuse. That's I complete bullshit. Sound Pick like up a bunch the phone of and let the NBA know what is really up. Like, it just, it seems like a piss poor excuse, please. I think when it comes to this situation, along with all the other multitude of, you know, Me Too movement, uh, females stepping out, addressing this issue, I think it's just once there's a little bit of media scrutiny to any of these kind of issues, that's when change actually happens. And I think it was just a boiling pot in Dallas, and it was just a matter of time before somebody spoke to the media, and then the media addressed it, and then, okay, now Dallas, has, Dallas is being forced to do something about it, being forced to address it. Whereas before, they could just kind of sweep it under the rug, it's whatever, you know, business is still booming, business as usual, we don't have to worry about it, but now it's like, okay, you know, in today's day and age where this stuff doesn't slide, you got to fix it now. But so you hit the nail on the head to talk about, and Chris was saying this earlier, right? Business. It's right? the billionaire thinking, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like if there's revenue, I turn a blind eye. Exactly. If there's a problem, I have to fix it. Especially exactly. in Dallas, Texas. If it was going to hurt the money, then you got to address it. And that's what's happening right now. Now it's going to hurt yeah, the money. Exactly. Now, exactly. It's all about this guy, Terdema Usuri. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but he's basically he was the you know the GM there in Dallas and he's the one who a lot again he's very prestigious he ended up he was in Nike before this he's got like degrees from Princeton and, for like three months well, and, that, and that's the biggest issue so again this is a guy who 
was basically blamed for everything. It was pretty obvious. This is what most women complained about him. He was the well, top dog. HR ended up being close. From the story, apparently he was sitting down with a female representative of the Mavericks organization, and they're kind of talking about the weekend. And he was so adamant about saying, what are you going to do this weekend? You're going to get gangbanged? Like, he kept saying that over and over and over. Yeah, that was <laughs> What? Yeah. It's quite professional. So this is a guy who <laughs> ends up leaving on his, own, on his own merit from Dallas and going to Under Armour. And apparently, at Under Armour, he gets into an elevator with a low-level sort of employee. We don't really know what happens. This employee reports it to HR, and within three months, they parted ways. It just... In a new direction. Whereas three months earlier, he was basically going to head the global Under Armour this, the branding of that, the marketing of that. Again, so this is a guy who at one point in his career was on NBA commissioner track. Mm. And, you know, it's... I'm sure there's a lot of women right now who are happy, very happy that this got exposed yeah. simply because it's, it puts every other team on sort of a warning. Yeah. And also, as it should, well, you know, it's validation for a lot of Well, regardless women. of how progressive you think the league is, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, like hiring a female referee or having women in the managerial side of the business, this is a billionaire boys club, 100%, no question about yep. it. In that story, it was stated the guy we're talking about already had, like, the, people would say, like, do not get in the elevator with this guy. Like, they, we knew this already yep. and literally nothing happened and the guy was still able to leverage a job from Under Armour already with this sort of like you know these, these personality traits already sort of because right, he's making money for someone right but what yeah. does that say about the Mavericks organization if exactly. they're willing to yeah. keep a guy for 20 or whatever 15 plus years and Under Armour lets him go with one complaint within three months you know it really says that Dallas really was tolerable and it not yeah. just Dallas directly Mark Cuban and yeah. that's where yeah. this all comes down to is it's, it's the question, and justifiably so, is Mark Cuban aware of this? And if so, should he be punished? Yeah. And, and that's the real issue. What should the league do? Should they punish Mark Cuban for this? They just give him $600,000 for saying... For, for, honestly, I think that... But how would you punish him, I think though? that's ridiculous. I think that, the punishment itself is a backlash he's going to receive. He, it wasn't direct sexual misconduct picks. perpetuated by Mark Cuban, but it was also, like, like he has multiple business interests beyond the NBA. You oh, know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Just the, 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 the black eye, the stain of the situation. The hit of his brand, right? Yep, his brand. Yep, yep. You know, as, as, as the, 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 the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, you have this one guy entrusted to you in the organization, you know, like this one guy who, what is it, your CEO? So and, sh- and, and you don't know this is happening? Yeah. Thing is, if you can't prove, look, Donald, Donald Sterling like, was direct proof. There's a f- woman who recorded a phone conversation that put him directly involved in it. There's nothing, but there was so much more racist proof. stuff that he did, yes. like historically throughout his time. That was overlooked. That but was again, overlooked. But no, because there was no real proof. Like, again, if, if there was if proof no though, proof like here. he 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 literally. Uh, discriminated against in some of the housings that he had yeah, that he owned black residents black yeah. residents he's like he did not sell or rent to black people and that was documented and people just turned a blind eye to it like it might not be as much of a big deal I think it is but I guess back in the day it wasn't as much of a big deal but you know like this kind of stuff is not isolated to just Dallas this kind of thing is going on all over and yeah, yeah. and you know it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like- a culture thing it's like a white knight thing, though. Like a guy who's like fine with sexual predatory practice in his own business, but yeah. like feels like he has an obligation to call out someone else for something other. Like, no, I'm not saying equally unjust, but also unjust as well. Like, it just seems kind of hypocritical. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think it's a blanket hypocrisy that's going on, like just in not America, but just in the corporate world in general. Just oh, yeah. like guys pa- with power and patriarchy, man. It's it's, it's male dominated system, and it's especially pronounced within sports. And I would argue, although you're right, it does happen everywhere. I, what I've just meant in the beginning was, of course, this happens in Dallas. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I would totally Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, all I can say is that he must have been so upset when he lost out on the National uh, Basketball Player Association executive director role oh, yeah. to Michelle Roberts. But you know, <laughs> he, he, he really wanted that, and he was a candidate at the time. And he lost she to ended a up female. Winning, and he lost to a female. So that wow. must that must that must have striped him right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just read this article in McLean's today, and just kind of add to this. Uh, 26% gap between full-time wage paid to men and women in Canada. Wow. That's one that up there as well. All right, so um, we'll move on to, uh, I guess, another Mark Cuban story. Uh, Mark Cuban is also in a little bit of hot water. 
uh, this week after revealing on the Julius Irving podcast that he met recently with some players and told them basically losing is our best option. Cuban was ultimately trying to illustrate to Irving how he believes he is a transparent owner. Cuban was subsequently fined $600,000 by a league for tampering. Um, just, ridiculous. Just going back into tanking, though, in general, is this a smart decision with the current construct of the organization, or is there like another less severe option? I want to bring it more toward the on-court play of the Mavericks. I think that's just a lazy option. That's just a really like, lazy option. How long has it taken the Orlando Magic to rebuild? Like, they haven't from 09, they right? haven't you know, it's easy, anything It's yet. easy to say you want to rebuild an organization, but, but you got to do the hard losing. work. You got to scout. You got to go places. You got to look. You got to... And then when you, once the you... team when you have it. And then once you do scout and you do isolate these players as potentials for your organization, then you got to build them up. Exactly. <laughs> you got to have a D-League team. You got to have coaches who are teaching the same thing that they're teaching at the NBA. And you got to make guys who are transferring, like building up, to get ready for the NBA and once they get there they know what to do and obviously the prime example our hometown team the Raptors is what they've done Mm -hmm. late round picks over the past few years and these guys are phenomenal like if it's if they're not the superstar caliber picks, they're right under that. Mm-hmm. They're the next group of guys that you want as a team, guys that you want to draft. I think the issue with the Mavericks, though, is they had the aging star in Dirk Nowitzki. What the Raptors had was DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, like two relatively young commodities they can build an organization around. With the Mavericks, you know, like they just... They don't have like it's. They, don't have, they tried though. Remember they tried. To it's not like Dirk's making top money. They made an effort. They signed Wesley Matthews to the massive John, contract. They, they had Chandler Parsons, Dirk Nowitzki. You know, like the whole situation of Johnny Jordan a couple years ago. Like they kept trying to like put a bandaid on a boat. That yeah, was obviously sinking and like right. you know when I look at the Raptors again, sorry to go back to them. It's like no, go everybody, back, man. That's why we're here, baby. <laughs> like look at them. Like everybody who's on the team was drafted or traded for, and when they traded for them, they're like, okay, we have a good month or two months to look at these guys and determine whether they're a fit for this team, and then we're gonna sign them long term. Traded yeah. for Kyle Lowry, this guy was phenomenal. Gave him two contracts. Mm. Traded for Serge Ibaka, and they're like, you know what? There's nobody out there that's gonna bring give us what he gives us. We're gonna sign him long term, and they did that. And everybody else, they drafted and built up. Yeah, so the not philosophy so quick is to kind of just like you know buy and sell and yeah, flip like oh here's. Don't treat them like commodities. 50 million to yeah. Wesley Matthews. Like, who knows what he's going to do? Yeah. Like, like, he played good on that team. Who's to say he's going to play good on your team with yeah, your yeah, roster yeah. and your coaching staff? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what Dallas was trying to do, right? They were trying to hit free agent home runs instead yeah. of develop within and actually bring up their, their draft. Yeah, pitch, they're trying right? to play the long run. You got to play small they ball. They traded for Rondo. Yeah, that went well. Oh, God. <laughs> Christian's favorite fun, player. Fun, fun, funny side story. I was driving the other day, and you know how there's the, I think it's a Kia, the Kia Rondo? The Kia yeah. Rondo, yeah. The, the yeah, car yeah. make. That some guy was just driving in a Kia Rondo by me, and I just definitely, I cut him off. I saw, <laughs> the, I saw Rondo on his car, and I just cut him off for absolutely no reason other than the fact that he was driving a Rondo. Oh, but, um, no, I would say just go back to the, to the fine. Honestly, I think it's ridiculous. Um, I agree. Like, look, which fine? Wait, the Mark Cuban. The fine? Mark Cuban fine for tanking. Look, I agree with you in the sense of like how to tank is, is debatable. But look, didn't Sam Hinkie have an entire philosophy? Trust the process, yeah. which yeah. is based on this. Like these fines are strange. Th- it doesn't make any sense for me. First of all, the fine means nothing to him. Yeah. I heard today it's the equivalent of twenty-eight bucks to the average American. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's not. It's not even a, a real statement. It's yeah. just. It's. I think it, his wordplay could have been better. Like, you can't say, oh, I'm going to tank. It has to be like, I want to economically change the fortunes worse. of my team. I think, like, saying these brash statements, like you said, like, it's 20, the equivalent of 20 bucks to Mark Cuban. Him making a statement like that just only supports his brand. You know what I mean? Like, this, like, very, like, loud-spoken owner yeah. in the NBA, the face of owners in the NBA, and saying these sort of, like, incendiary comments, you know, just improves his visibility and brand in the NBA. Look, it's the owners. right strategy for them. They're 18 and 40 or something like that. Like, why wouldn't you want to get... It's a good draft year. I don't even think that... Are they, like... I don't even see them as really tanking, like, in the traditional sense. They just don't have a good team. Yeah. And they're going to end up last, and they're going to get a high pick. Like, like I, I mean, they got Dennis Smith Jr. Like, that's a great pick. Like, yeah. you got to start from somewhere but you also got to find a way to get more picks and get more youth right like i think with the raptors like they had traded and got like multiple picks per year yeah they were able to get multiple young talent let these guys grow up together like bond together culture of success exactly like how ironic would it be if they ended up tanking to get a higher draft pick and then the pick got taken away because of mark cuban's personal issues with the office they get the first round pick for tanking 
and then all of a sudden gone because of all that happened with Mark because Cuban. Cuban's loud yeah. mouth. That would be the greatest. Be ironic. All right, yeah. guys, moving to the, the last segment of the day, the Diamond Pizza sponsor. Not sponsored. Sponsor we have no affiliation with Diamond Pizza. Small protein. Um, Greg's gripe. Um, Greg, what is your gripe this week? I have I have several gripes, including uh, Fergie's national anthem. <laughs> uh, but, no, you we know what? I was going to talk about the... Uh, LeBron James shut up and dribble piece. Yes. There's good. something that really, really irritates me about a Fox News talking head. Is it the racism? Right? Yeah, right? With like undertones of of, of of racism telling this guy who's just kind of like, they're showing a clip of him passively having a conversation with Durant where he's openly acknowledging the fact that the United States has a president that is in fact not working for the best interest of the American people. And now that's a valid opinion to have, right? The fact that he has that opinion, it's not like it's, whether it's right or wrong, it's not a crazy thing to say. Yeah. But she feel, but she focuses on this and she sort you know, talks about how he's uneducated, blah, blah, blah. The whole Fox viewership is uneducated. They miseducate people on purpose. <laughs> the hypocrisy, oh my no, God. No, yeah, the hypocrisy, right? But, but and, before you go like really into Fox, you said it earlier. Are you surprised it's a big business no. in Dallas? But are you really surprised no. that Fox, a no, Fox News anchor said I'm this? No, you know, it's, it's annoying. It's feeding into their, into their audience of anything. Yeah, it's right? so annoying, they, man. They, like, if anything, they're the spokespeople for Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Like, if, if yeah. it's a real big issue that helps Trump in terms of votes, he'll say it himself. Like the NFL and kneeling. Yeah. If it's the NBA where the commissioner allows people to be outspoken about things, he'll but, allow Fox News to be the ones to be his, it, his outlet. But you said yourself, but here's what really bothers me about it is that you said it yourself, the whole uh, uh, Donald Trump against the athletes kneeling thing, right? You know, if you just take a, if open a book, right? She talks about them being uneducated. Open a book and look at, right, the the history of athletes that have actually used their platform for social protest. It's extensive, no. right? You know, like Muhammad Ali, right? The 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 Cleveland Summit with Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Only kind of in like the modern era where athletes became branded and then they became afraid to lose their sponsorship. Did they really stop speaking out? A la Michael Jordan, right? But even Jordan said some stuff. LeBron is just so powerful. Powerful yeah. in in the game that he's actually able to transcend that, and the stuff he's saying isn't radical, right? That's what I mean, right? Like, no, for it's common sense out, stuff. Yeah, right. It's, it's for the it's for the majority. Com- yeah, it's quite commonsensical. I mean, I just found for her to attack like his level of education, yeah, right, and then to right when she herself obviously has no understanding of the actual politics, but uh, and the link between politics and sports and social progress in sports, the whole thing is just filled with hypocrisy and. It just bothers me to no end. Yeah, no, for sure. Sorry, that's my gripe. And she was just so petty. Like, oh, this should show Americans why they shouldn't skip out on college. Like, shut the F up. Yeah. Do you know how expensive it is to go to college in the States? Exactly. Maybe, yeah, maybe, exactly, no, maybe right? people can't afford it. Maybe people don't want to go in $100,000 debt so they could speak proper grammar the way she wants them so, to speak and it. just because you like, don't go to college up. doesn't mean that, that you can't be educated. But, sorry, that you're not intelligent. Yeah. Right? There's some people that are very intelligent people that didn't formally become educated, right? But, hey, you know, they went to the library and they, you know. They read they, a book. They read a book for you know what I mean or they read the newspaper uh, every day or they read the internet or they watch news that's not Fox it doesn't mean that because this guy is a young black male who didn't go to college that he isn't entitled to have a political opinion right like and there's been so much other occasions where other people in other sports have said something where Fox wouldn't criticize them I'm going to give an example I just can't think of it right now Next week, I'll give it to you guys. All right, guys, we're diverging into Young Turks territory, but thank you very much for listening, guys. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Uh, Our apologies to Fergie, as well as Norman Powell. Um, Guys, you can catch our podcast on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, etc. We'll be back next week. Christian and I will finish our top 10 best prospects for the 2018 draft. And with that, guys, thank you very much for listening. Big shout-out to Javon for joining us today. Javon. Javon. Thank you very much, guys. Peace. Peace. 1.2 seconds to go.